You are listening to Eastman's Flycast, an adventure fly fishing specific podcast covering travel, tactics, and next level insight. Now your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Flycast for you. So today I have back on my buddy Dylan Ness. Uh, so I really enjoy getting Dylan on these podcasts. Uh, he's he's one of my best friends, and um, we fish a bunch together, and uh, we just have the best fishing conversation. So um, got him back on the podcast. We're talking about wintertime fly fishing and um, some of the, the um, big trips that we want to take and rivers we're planning to fish. And then we also get into wintertime holding water. Uh, we get into to some different tactics and techniques and uh, just made for a great conversation. So I really enjoyed it, and uh, hope you guys enjoy it too. Eastman's Flycast, here we go. Morning. Yo, what do you know? Not a whole lot. Just uh, I pushed my uh, snooze button a few too many times. <laughs> You're tired this morning, huh? Yeah, yeah. I so was a little poop this morning. <laughs> yeah, I know how that goes. Um, yeah, those early morning calls. He probably been working hard to get everything taken care of with the business, huh? Yep, yep. Got everything pretty well wrapped up now. It, uh, yeah, it got cold on us and snowed a little bit, and just had to get the few few finishing touches on the year, and we're pretty well wrapped up. So it's nice, but yeah, it. Uh, gosh. This fall has just been a been a grind work hunting, and it's like, yeah, it's, it's put a little, it's taken a little toll on me, but uh, I'll live through it. So. <laughs> um, yeah, it's tough to be a multi-sport player, isn't it? Like me and you love <laughs> to bow hunt so much that um, we spend a lot of our fall bow hunting, you know. But uh, uh, in turn, like um, our our fishing uh, kind of takes a back seat which um isn't good i'm ready to get back after it oh my gosh dude the first thing i did the other day when i got home i uh went out there grabbed my grabbed one of my big fly boxes and took everything out and started reorganizing it so the first, when i get on the water for the first time here and here in a while it uh it's ready to rock but yeah i cannot wait to get out on the water and I need to do the same thing. I'm sure my stuff's just an absolute mess from like a whole season of fishing. I haven't even looked in that box. But yeah, it's um it's tough. I've like uh wanted to get out a little bit and of course my home stretch is the Madison and man, we had that like big dam problem here which was wild, you know, so I don't even feel like I should get out and fish yet. And now that was wild. Holy smokes. And they, they finally got it all figured out and dialed in, didn't they? Yeah, they did get it fixed. So, yeah, they had like a gate malfunction with that dam. And so the river instantly dropped to like below 500 CFS, which is really dangerous. And it was like right during the brown spawn, too. And so um, a lot of the, the, the reds and the, the gravel that these browns spawn in like dried up. And um, it was crazy. It trapped a bunch of fish and um, back channels and things uh, where they didn't have like an entrance or an exit and so um, there was a bunch of guys that chipped in I think the one morning there at um, Madison Foods everybody met and uh, to go save fish to bring a net and a bucket and get them out of these channels and back into the main river and I think there was like over a hundred guys holy smokes yeah that's so scary that's a I mean it's one of those deals on, I mean, it's on any river, but on a blue ribbon trout stream like the Madison to have something like that go down. It's like, yeah, when I first read that, I was like, oh my gosh, but 
pretty cool that uh, everybody rallied like that to uh, go out and do what they can to to help preserve or to m- mitigate the damage, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. Everybody stepped up and and tried to to help out, and you know, ultimately, you know, Northwestern Energy has to be held responsible. They, you know, they're responsible for flows on this river, and it's so many guys' livelihood, so many guides that make their living mm-hmm. off this river, and to have like a uh, a mishap like that. You know, with a gate, they, they've got to have like a checks and balances or a procedure. So ultimately, they're going to be held responsible. And the good thing is, is that the river, you know, it's got quite a quite a few creeks that dump into it. So like the upper river had it the worst, like in between the lakes mm-hmm. and then down from Quake Lake, like in that slide area. Yep. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty much like one main channel through there, and that was definitely low. But once it got down to like around West Fork, that West Fork Creek dumps yep. in there and Ruby Creek. And so the lower river didn't look like it was uh, affected as bad or it'd be the, the, the lower section of the upper river. Um, you know, below that all the way to Ennis Lake didn't seem like they were too bad. So hopefully the damage won't... Um, you know, we won't be dealing with ramifications for years to come, but definitely that upper river, which is a gem, definitely will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and it probably it probably won't show itself uh, if there is any long lasting effects. It probably won't show itself immediately. It'll probably be one of those things like that's down the road where you know, like you said, those reds dried up and that. It'll probably be one of those things down the road where it's like you're almost missing. Uh, an age class of fish or a crop of fish, you know what I mean? That's exactly um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're so spot hope, on. Hopefully it, uh, yeah, hopefully it didn't, hopefully there was enough reds that stayed, you know, stayed wet and stayed, you know, didn't get trampled on and stuff that, that made it. But God, that's why it's just so important to preserve the, the great things we've got. You know, it's like, holy smokes. I mean, what a mishap that, oh, that sucks. Yeah. And it was, and it was one of those, uh, it basically the gate, the, the deal on the gate snapped like essentially an auger, correct. And then it snapped and then it just let the gate go like basically free fall down. Oh uh, uh, yeah. I didn't hear exactly what it was. I, I thought the gate wouldn't open, uh, which was Mm -hmm. stopping the flow of water, but yeah, I, I didn't hear exactly what the problem was. Yeah. I think I got a little inside info on that deal and it was, a. Like, basically, if you can imagine, that gate is on a screw, like a, a huge screw, say. And to open it, you know, it runs up it to go to close it, goes down. And I think it the basically that screw snapped. And what it did was that gate had no way to get brought back up. So, you know, to fix it, I mean, they had to basically install a new one. Yeah, yeah, underwater divers and everything. Yeah, pretty wild. Hmm. Well, you know, it's um, you know, it's part of the deal with Northwestern Energy, you know, um, uh, pulling hydropower and putting these dams in place, and um, you know, they have a responsibility to keep these these rivers flowing. And you know, furthermore, across the West, like um, it's pretty wild when you look at like irrigation on these places. Like, there's uh, uh-huh. you remember that little river we fished um, over the hill, uh, like that, like that one. Man, they pull uh, like two thirds of that water out for irrigation, you know, which which doesn't make for a healthy stream. And especially like in these drought conditions across the West that we're in, um, 
you know, they do a lot of damage to these systems and in not fencing their cattle out like Montana is a cattle state, which is fine, but they don't fence them out of the riverbeds a lot of times. And when they get in there and trample them, they can trample down all the gravel and can turn it to mud down in there, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So there's definitely that like we definitely like you were saying have to protect the resource and stick up when stuff like this happens or uh you know when we see a point where we can jump in and help and have a voice because yeah i mean a lot of these rivers pulling all that irrigation water out is not good and and uh rainbows you know are susceptible and browns are as well uh, to uh water temperature you know so in the summertime when you're pulling all this water from those systems it's making that water warmer as well you know which is tough on the fish yeah yeah totally and, and a couple of uh i mean a couple of my favorite rivers the irrigation it they i mean it's so it's, it's so liberal it's so loose and it's just like they have no real restriction on it i mean the one river they shut irrigation off this year like uh october 20th or something like that 15th i want to say but it's like god that's so late and being so dry this year you know it's running low anyways but it's like the other thing, you're pulling that much water. I don't know exactly how some of those head gates work, but it would be nice if there was some sort of restriction. I mean, I know it would probably be a pain and it'd have to get cleaned, but some sort of screen or something. Because if you're pulling, you know, say two-thirds of the water, I mean, you're pulling fish down that sucker too. And it's like, oh, I can't – just the amount of fish. I mean, on this one on this one system I fish. I go every winter. It's about this time. It's about time to go do it. Uh, They'll be big. The only water left in those irrigation channels will be right at the head gate. And I'll go back in there and take, you know, whether it be my fishing net, whatever, and I'll go scoop out big fish. Gosh, there's some years I scoop out 10, 12 fish that are over 20 inches in, in some of these spots. And it's like in this system, it's like that's a huge amount of fish. You know, it's like it's pretty low pop. So it's like. Yeah, yeah, dang, irrigation, I mean, I know it has to, I mean, you know, farmers and ranchers, they need that, but it's like, gosh, there's got to be a way for us to, or for the state or fishing game to to just put us, get screens on some of those head gates or control it a little better to where, like you said, we can protect the resources that we have because it's like some, you know, a mishap here and there, I mean, it can cost us. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Yeah, just protect the resource a little bit more. You know, it's um, it it is uh, so valued for us sportsmen to be able to have these places where we can go have adventures and go out and. You know, Montana is just such a great state. I mean, all these western states, but Montana especially, like, God, we got some great rivers. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm ready to start getting after it and start fishing for these things and chasing big brown trout again. So I had this idea. So, um uh we we love to like um in that springtime and well and even in the winter for that matter love to pull those streamers because they hunt for big fish and i mm-hmm. caught that really big one this summer off the madison uh yep. and it was using those nymphing techniques and fish just love to eat a dead drift nymph and and like if you can like we get into it where they're really eating stream streamers and chasing really hard and it's good fishing um but you know, the the majority of times on a streamer, you're going to have a slower day to where, like, if you're dialed in on a nymph rig, it just seems like if the fish are there, you catch them. And so, like, I'm thinking of going back, like, um, still fishing streamers like we love to do, 
But mm-hmm. when we stop and we fish these runs, I've been swinging these runs, and it seems like I'll pick up a couple fish here and there. Um, but the hook set sucks so bad on the swing. Like, man, oh, man, it seems <laughs> like I lose, like, nine-tenths of my fish on the swing. And yeah. um, I do hunt up some big ones on the swing with that that sinking line and being able to swing it across the run, and it's this slow, subtle swing. But I think this year I'm going to switch it around, and I'm going to carry that spay rod in the boat, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna put my nymphing rig on that spay rod, and then do like a uh, like a sex dungeon on the front, and then run like um, you know a smaller nymph on the back, and and just dead drift that thing a little bit more. So when we stop to work those big insides, instead of swinging that thing and maybe feeling one or feeling zero or using the same technique that we're using going down out of the boat, I think I'm going to change it up and I'm going to nymph those runs a little bit more and see if I can pick up a few more fish. I like it. Yeah, I like it. That That's a good idea because you're right. I mean, a lot of the time on the swing, we'll go through some of those runs and it's like we're essentially going to get back in the boat and throw a streamer through it anyways. So it's like switching it up will just give us that much more opportunity. And, yeah, a dead drifted bug can be dangerous, you know? I mean, oh, my goodness. So, yeah, that's a – I like it. I like it a lot. Well, and you saw, like, last year – like, you know, there's instances that we get into where, you you know, you just can't get them to eat the streamer. They're not on the chase or not after it, you know? But they will eat that dead drift nymph and, like – um. Like we saw in the Madison last year, like it was on fire for nymphs, you know. We couldn't hardly get one on the streamer. I think maybe you picked up a nice brown in the 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 head end of one of those holes or something like that. But um, for the most part, you know, it was nymphing and that, that spay rod nymphing, like I know for steelhead, it's just absolutely deadly. And, and nobody's nymphing a, a spay rod around here, you know. But you got 12 and a half foot of leverage. You can just make bigger drifts and cover more water and cast further and so just highly effective with that thing and so like if i if i tie a nymph rig on that and then you know just using like those big bugs out front like a streamer out front dead drifted or whatever i'm still hunting for big fish but i'm i'm giving them them that dead drift presentation and i'm also like getting down really covering the bottom where they're at and i just think i'm gonna be able to pick up a few more big fish and i think when they eat it i'll be able to get to them and really get a good hook set in them where i can fight them and play them off that spare rod you know and it's just like it's just like I fish steelhead. Like, um, you know, we swing for steelhead, and I love swinging up a steelhead. But honestly, like, it's probably uh, one steelhead to every nine I get nymphing. You know, it's like uh, yeah, nymphing yeah. is just far more effective. And it's like I love to swing them up. Don't get me wrong. It's a great way to catch them. But a lot of times what we'll do if there's two guys is one guy will swing through the hole, and then the other guy will nymph through the hole behind him. Uh, so the swing guy gets first presentation. Uh, but – uh, more times than not, that nymph guy will um, will uh, pick one up off his heels. Huh? No, that's so sweet, and that's a uh, yeah. It'll be just so effective. You, you will cover so much more water, and really get a feel for how things are going too. You know, uh, and and like a lot of the time when you and I get out to fish, it's cold weather months. You know, I mean now till you know sp- you know middle of spring. You know, it starts to warm up a little bit. You know, in April and that just depending on the year, but I mean, 
a, a, a dead drifted streamer with a nymph trailing. It's like in, in cold weather months when they're maybe a little more lethargic. I mean, that, that could be, that could be a t- the new ticket. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Well, in having that, sw- when you have it, your spay rod set up for swinging and then you've got your single rod set up for uh, stripping nymphs, like you're just almost better off to just fish it with your single hand rod if you want to fish streamers through there. Like the swinging, you know, it gives you a little bit more length on your drift and then you can swing it through the run, but it, it doesn't give you like another advantage for looking for those fish, you know. So just something I'm going to try that I've been thinking about here lately. But man, we got to get out on some adventures. Oh man, yeah, do we ever. It's coming up. I think, I think, uh, here maybe at the end of next week or or gosh yeah because when's Christmas yeah maybe next end of next week I've been checking checking the weather on some spots we might just have to get out and send it for the first rip uh yeah I think it could be I think it could be really good uh and I just love these cold weather months when your eyelets freeze up just a little bit and less guys are on the water and it's like it's our time. It's it's the off it's the off season time. It's time to go get them. Oh, I love it. Now through spring and summer's fun. You know, me and you just get so busy with work and things, and then you know the pressure gets on the rivers, and we still get some good days. Like God, that that day we had on the um, big hole last year was sure fun on dry flies. Mm-hmm. And we you know we sure have some good days. But yeah, well I can't. Um, I'm actually leaving for the Bahamas on oh, Saturday. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Stuck. You got your. Oh yeah, with the family and you're gonna do some bone fishing. That'll be unreal. Yeah, yeah, I'm all set up. I've um, I've got all my license rod set up for fishing bonefish. So yeah, I'd go walk those beaches in the morning and try to play some tides. And um, yeah, we've got a great house on the water. And yeah, hang out with the girls. Like I say, let them sleep in in the morning, and I'll um, I'll go out for two, three, four hours and see how far I could walk, how many <laughs> beaches I can walk, and go chase those things around for a week, and then um. Yeah, just be good to get out for a for a family vacation too. But yeah, something totally different in the sun, uh, trying to trying to catch some bonefish. So I'm hoping it's like a like a scouting mission and something we can go back to and uh, take our families and team up on some of these things. Oh, that would be wicked. Yeah, that's a that's one thing that I need to get. I just need to put more effort into getting out on on you know bigger fishing adventures. You know, I've never been to the salt. I mean. I've been to the salt, but just not with a fly rod in my hands, you know, it's like, and, uh, it's just one of those things where I just, I want to, but it's like, you just, after everything else, I just need to make more time. Cause it's like, God, I mean, fly fishing is just as big a passion to me as anything else, you know? And it's like, just need to make the time. So that'd be sweet. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you can figure it out a little bit. I'm sure you will. And it's like, yeah, make it one of those deals where we can do kind of on the, not on the cheap, but on the, on the, on the low key and, go do it every year it'd be so much fun well yeah you know it would be on the cheap just not paying any guides or anything and the do it yourself figuring it out i'd rather catch less and do it you know on my own and it's nice that we have access to those beaches and things and um, vacation houses and girls always like the tropics so like it'd be perfect for us but that yeah we need to go on some of these big adventures steve that i had on the podcast it was telling me about bolivia down there he gave me the invite to go to. Oh. Like, I just need to pull the trigger on it. It's like it happens in August. It's just um, it's more money than I'm used to spending, you know. But sometimes for a super adventure, it'd be worth it. So I need to get back with him and let him know, uh, yay or nay, you know. But um, that and then um, 
you know, I like the ones that we can do ourselves. Like, God dang it, man, we got to get to New Zealand, me and you. Like, um, I haven't looked at the borders here lately. We've been um, so in, uh, invested in, in uh, hunting season, you know, just finishing up. But, uh, man, we got to make a trip to New Zealand, and it happens, like, in the spring. It's good fishing out there. And uh, do a little combo trip where we do some bow hunting and some fishing out there. But man, we gotta make that happen. And and it is on the cheap, you know. It's like um, mm-hmm. if I can do these trips for you know one to three thousand dollars for me, that's like that's worth it. Or you know, I can I can budget for that. Oh yeah. Like once it gets up into the ten or whatever, like that's getting pretty steep for my tax <laughs> bracket to scratch that check responsibly, you know. But um, I, I love you know mm-hmm. the same thing with bow hunting. We're always looking for these adventures that we can do ourselves for under a thousand bucks and same thing with fishing but uh new zealand is definitely so high on my list i gotta get out there with you we we gotta go chase some of those trophy browns because like um you know, I love fishing these different species and things, but really, me and you love to chase giant brown trout and like that's the best place in the world to go do it oh my gosh yeah we have got we have to go do it i started watching that new that new series you told me about. Uh, yes, on, on, Gin Clear oh. Media. What's that called, oh. that series? Oh, my God. I'd have to pull it up. Yeah, it's uh, like Gin Clear Media. Like, if you search yep. that, you'll find it. And it's season four, and then there's, like, eight episodes. So you've been watching it, right? Oh, dude, I finished it, yeah. Oh, <laughs> my Lord. Those dudes just get them. Oh. oh and, and not only the brown trout, those rainbows they catch on, like, the first or second episode, it's like – Oh, what? Like, tw- oh, this is a nice one, mate. 22 pounds. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. It's just giant. Yeah. Oh, did you see the uh, episode with Mike Kirkpatrick? Like, uh, I don't know, six or seven or whatever. He, he's on a couple of them. But, uh, man, some of the browns that he got the backs on those things. Like, I just, I I have never seen a brown that looked like that. Oh, my no. God. No, yeah, and those, like, those are the ones, like, that's the mystical fish that we chase at home that you just rarely ever get a sea touch or, you know, and it's like, those guys just get them on the regular. It's like, oh, and I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's more to it. I mean, these guys, those guys are just so dialed, but it's like, yeah, I would absolutely kill to go do that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, <laughs> we're going to go do it. But yeah, I mean, like, um, Browns is what we love to do and it's what's right around us. And we had a great season last year. Man, we see a lot of big fish. And I know, you know, you always want a bigger one. We're always chasing mm-hmm. big fish. That's kind of what drives me and you, but it, it isn't. It's the experience, it's getting out on the water. It's chasing them, and, you know, the majority of days, you know, or a lot of those days, we don't touch a big fish, but we still have fun. But it is what drives me and you, and we saw, I mean, I don't know how many fish over 20, you know, probably 100 of them or more, you know. And then, um, (laughs) you know, those those fish over 22, 23, 24, like that's kind of our – that's where they're big for us, you know. And, gosh, we saw Mm -hmm. quite a few of those fish, and then, you know – it it seems like we don't see many like to get over that twenty five takes a special fish, but they they yep. are around here, and we just keep dialing in our tactics and our adventures to go target and chase those fish. Like like man, we're gonna see some more of them. Like I've been watching. Um, I had a oh uh, I think it's it's Brian Glass. I had him on the podcast Trout oh, Trap. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they fish yep. that White River. 
And um, yeah. you see a lot of the fish that they catch are just like those 20 inchers, but eventually they run into one of those ones that's 25 to 32 or 27 to 32 inches. But do you notice they do not catch those in the daylight ever? Like they're all no. in the dark. All in the dark, yeah. All all their pictures of big fish are in the dark. And it's like, maybe that's one thing that we're missing just a little bit, you know? Maybe maybe we've got to venture out when the sun goes down and just see what see what's lurking because yeah a lot of i mean those guys are talk about dialed but it's like there's got to be something to it you know yeah i think so too like um we definitely do good in our off-season fishing and we need to go chase it we saw some big fish last year you know and so like all these systems that we love new systems we we just got to get out and um, try to meet up about every weekend or whatever if we can, at least for a day of fishing, uh, if not a weekend or a three-day trip, and target these fish. But you're right. I would like to uh, target more at night. Um, they say they don't use headlamps. They try to fish in the dark. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty dialed, like, um, uh, camera and flash and things of that nature. I mean, first we got to catch a big one, which we, first we got to learn how to do it. But, um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I think maybe we should like look at fishing at night a little bit. And, um, you know, I know they're using a lot of mouse patterns, you know, and seeing them come up, which would be like a good summertime tactic. But I wonder if even like, um, you know, when we go on some of these camping trips and we're more cold weather, but it's still that water's going to be warm when it first gets dark and low light. Mm -hmm. And we catch a lot of fish right on the that last light. I wonder if you don't just like um, have a have a, a rod hooked up, whether spay rod, probably because you can't see your indicator or anything, and then um, swing those runs or single hand rod. And so like when it gets dark like fish into the night into like that hour or two into night and just fish one of the good runs. Like there's that one right before one of our favorite takeouts right above it where you could pull yeah. the boat off and then fish that oh, one yeah. an hour into yeah. dark and then show up down at camp, you know? Yep. Yeah. No, that would be a good one too. Cause that, uh, there, there's a bunch of good deep water, like deep holding water on the back side of that thing that they could lurk up into. And then it's kind of, it's kind of a flat, but yeah, it's like, it's just one of those deals where it's just one more thing that we'd have to figure out. I mean, way back, oh gosh, probably eight years ago now, I used to go fish this little creek all the time at, at night and, uh, I was terrible at it. I mean, I caught, I don't know, I think two fish. I mean, I know I caught one fish and my buddy caught one fish and like, I don't know how many times we went, but the one thing that we, uh, um, started doing just to learn is we'd, we'd fish in the dark and then we would turn on a headlamp. Well, in that little system, the one thing that we noticed and it was always so tough to fish to because it was like they were hanging in, you know, six to eight inches of water in the front corner pocket of every little run. I mean, in nothing. So just kind of waiting for a sculpin or something to get washed down, but it was just so wild. And, that was where we ended up, you know, finally catching a couple fish, and we we petered out because we'd go night after night after night. But they were they were really nice fish, twenty two, twenty four, and uh, yeah, just be it's just fun to learn uh, something different, you know, and might give us another chance to to hook into one of those real big ones. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and um, you know, the off season just seems to do well for us. Seems like these big fish will eat in this off season, you know, which is good. Which the winter, spring. Uh, these months so yeah and just getting out and going to some of these 
different systems, you know, and fishing these things. Like, it's always an adventure when you get out. And so, um, you know, I know uh, we've definitely got some systems on our list that we need to check off, but we just got to take the teepee and and, um, take a drift boat and two trucks or the drift boat and the dirt bike and um, Mm -hmm. go fish some of these things. Just go fish it hard. Man, I I got the bugs so bad right now. Like, after hunting (laughs) season, I just haven't been out that much, you know, and... um, Boy, it's sure pulling at me to get out on the water. Me too. Yeah, I think uh, I think I'm going to do everything I can to get out a couple times this week. Uh, I was going to go out the other day, but uh, I looked where I was going to go, and it, the wind was blowing hard. But yeah, I'm by by Sunday. I'm going to be out there. It's going to be a couple times because yeah, I've got the bugs so bad, and it's like I just need to get out there. Gosh, my dogs whining at me. No, but. Worries. Yeah, nope, I'm so excited, and and it's one of those deals, too, that this time of year, it's like, I just love, I love when, I feel like when the, uh, when the eyelets start freezing up a little bit, it's like, that's when I start catching some big fish for the year again, it's like, summertime for me, it's just usually, I mean, it's not slow, but it's like, and it's always fun, but those, those next level fish, the big, big fish, it's like, when my eyelets start freezing up just a little bit in the mornings, it's like, okay, I'm back. Yeah, well, and let's make a steelhead run, too. I just saw the new Washington regulations there. So they closed the southern end of the peninsula out there, um, you know, which was closed last year. But they did allow – they did uh, keep some systems open, you know. And so you got to – can't fish from a boat anymore. you got to fish from the bank. And, um, uh, you know, they have some, some regulations in place. But they are going to open it and have a season. Uh, it'd be fun That's to make cool. a run out there or fun to um, – uh, make a run to that close spot, you know, like over to, mm-hmm. to Idaho or whatever will be good when I get back. Let, let's just take a three-day weekend and go fish like, um, you know, they're giant sea-run rainbows that fight really hard, you know, and they can be tough to catch but just so fun to fish for. Um, so I definitely think we need to do that. Do you get your spay rod back? Um, or yours was never busted. It was mine. I guess it was your normal <laughs> rod that was busted, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I've got, uh, I've, got, I've got the whole arsenal back besides my uh... – my eight weight, my eight weight. I'm going to call them today, actually, and just, you know, maybe the squeaky wheel gets the grease. But, yeah, I'm going to call and see if I can get that thing back. But, no, I got got my spay rod and got everything else, everything besides the eight weight method. So, cool. uh, but, but yeah, I'd be, I'd be all about going out and doing some steelheading when you get back. Okay. Yeah, I'll shoot you some dates. Uh, let's figure it out, go on some big adventures here. Um Man, and hit it hard this season. Let's um, let's see if we can't get one of those personal best brown trout, you know, and um, find that magical twenty-five to thirty mark, and then go find some of those um, those big steelhead, you know, that'll go forty inches or whatever, you know, average thirty-five inches. They're just giant fish, you know. So, um, I'd say we go do that. It's uh, cool. close to us and um, in reach, and um, great off-season fishing. So, yeah, man, um, it's gonna be fun. We're gonna have a riot. Yeah, yeah. Let's dial it in and go get her done. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We've got a bunch on the list, so let's just start crossing them off. Yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, it's a fun season when you can really focus on it, and it's just like it, it so clears the head to get out there and go chase those things around. Like you're so, you're. We get so focused, like we don't eat lunch, we don't uh, drink water, we don't like we are fishing until it gets dark, you know. From the time the sun comes up till it goes down, we are fishing, and and I just love being immersed, like in that challenge and on that river. Like, um, there's two things I, I, two places I love to be in life, you know, and that's like um, on the water and in the mountains, you know, and um, 
we're definitely in that season uh uh where it's uh in the water you know here for for the next foreseeable future you know so um man i just i just can't wait it is so fun to try to dial it in it's it's tough and challenging and i think that's that's why we love it like it um it it challenges your critical thinking like you're always having to adapt and evolve to the conditions you're seeing what the fish are eating and you know you just got to put in your time too you got to grind like it's tough but boy, when you can see the payoff of one of those magic days where they they really eat it. So like one of those magic days, I'm not sure how many days we have to put in to see one of those. Sometimes it's uh, it can be three days in a row or some days it can be uh, uh, one out of five days or even one out of ten days, you know. But if, if you keep going and keep putting in the time, eventually like everything aligns and you see one of those magic days where they're really keyed into the bugs you're fishing or the tactics you're using or even vice versa you get keyed into what the fish are eating and fishing for them with the right tactics you know and the right bugs and things but man when they're eating it and it's on fire like that there is just nothing funner and i think me and you like both chase that high of that great fishing you know and it's um Mm -hmm. it's out there for us like there's so many great places and so many undiscovered places out west here like you know we talk about these big trips and um new zealand and steelheading and you know we definitely want to do those but um you know, really, we're so fortunate what's right in our backyard. You know, there's just amazing fishing around and amazing places to be discovered. I, You know, there's so much water around here. And even me and you that have been fishing for a lifetime, there's still a bunch of places I haven't been that I want to go. You know, a bunch of drifts that I haven't done and um, yeah. a bunch of big fish hiding in big holes that I haven't caught. You know, and so like just keep chasing <laughs> that high, which is which is really fun, man. It makes me feel alive. Oh, me too. Yeah. And it's just one of those deals too. When you're on the water, it's like, you're not thinking of anything else other than just how to get them. You know, it's like, you're always analyzing, you're always thinking just, you know, Hey, do I hit this water from a little bit different angle? Do I switch out my butt? It's like, you're just so immersed and that's what I love about it. And, uh, that's what I'm most excited about. Like my first day back, you know, cause it's almost like you're the new kid on the block again. And I mean, you know, not really, but it's like, you just got to dial it back in, you know, one day at a time. And it's like, eventually, like you said, you just find that day that is the payoff. And it's, there is, I mean, there's not much better than that. It's like when you're, when you're in them and you're so in tuned and tapped in with, you know, what's going on on the system and there's just, oh yeah, that's, that, those are the days we live for, for sure. So, like, we're getting into this cold water fishing, you know, you had uh, mentioned uh, islets starting to freeze up and things. And so the fish just hold in different spots. Talk a little bit, like, about, like, cold water fishing and some of the 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 water that you're targeting this time of year. Yeah, yeah. And that's and it's it's my favorite time or favorite type of water to fish. You know, it's like the uh, the back end of runs. You know, I just, I just always call it wintertime water, you know, the tailouts, uh, the deep tailouts, deep pockets, you know, the back half of those really good runs to where in the spring and summer, you know, you'd be fishing the head of them in the riffles and in the main run. But here in the wintertime, as the water starts to cool down, you know, those fish can't be using as much energy up in that up in that, you know, quicker moving riffly water. And it's like they soak back into those tailouts and I mean, it's my favorite water to fish, you know, whether it be, I mean, mainly with streamers, but I mean, if you get into a good midge hatch or anything like that, or BW, I mean, it's just, 
you know, that flat, you know, choppy maybe. Nah, not even choppy. I mean, sometimes it just depends on the system, but that flat, deep water um, where a fish can really hang out and and uh, do its do its hunt, use the least amount of energy to go get its food. Um, that's where that's where I always find them here in the wintertime. You know, a lot of uh, I'll find them every once in a while on a big slack edge. You know, um, an inside bend. Uh, inside bends are great, um, but uh, yeah, big inside slow bends, not the outside, but the inside and. Uh, yeah, those big soft pockets, but I love really targeting the inside of a bend and and then the tail out, like a deep tail out. And a lot of guys, I mean, I'll even swing those, those deep tail outs. I mean, there's not a lot of flow, but I'll lighten up um, on my, on my sink, on my, like uh, my sink tip and, uh, you know, run like a, like an S5 or an S3, like something really light and uh fish those you know so where you're not totally dragging bottom but gosh it's in it's not so much of a bump bump then it's like a bump grab you know because it's slow like those fish can really key in really hunt it how they want and uh and they just eat it so yeah in the winter time that's what i focus on the most is those inside bends and uh yeah those deep those deep tail outs so yeah, is that kind of the same for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're spot on. That's a good description of it. It's that slower, deeper water, yeah, where they don't have to use that energy. It's like they, they move out of, like, the small spots, like the small little, um, you know, like like edge bank lines or where there's a little stop in the current. They they um they, they really want those bigger, deeper holes, you know. And so you're right, that tail out where it moves slower or those inside bends. Uh, it's a break from the current and slower and deeper on those insides instead of being, you know, on the heavy water side where you have a lot of current that's going through, which creates little pockets on the edge where in the summertime you'd pull them out of there because they slide into those spots. But in the wintertime, they just don't seem to be holding in those quicker, heavy water spots. They want to be in the, the, the slower, less current, like you say, uh, conserve energy. And you really have to dial in to the locations where these trout are hanging. And so, like I had say in the wintertime, um, you know, we're really searching out this uh, the the tail outs and a lot of times we're even recycling it in the boat where we'll float down in the boat and fish through that tail out and then we'll go to the edge and drag the boat back up and float it again or getting out swinging the tail out like you're talking about swinging a big bug through there and really this is where I'm going to use some of those nymphing techniques too is you know I nymph a bunch and I love nymphing and those tail outs are great and fish love to eat it on the dead drift in the winter and so really targeting these tail outs and uh, nymphing out these tail outs a little bit to see if I can pick up another big fish, you know. And and the deal with nymphing is, too, is like um, just those good lead bugs. Like I love fishing a big rubber legs and uh, then fishing a smaller bug behind it. And whether, you know, a smaller pheasant tail or, a, uh, you know, a, a soft hackle or, you know, whatever it is with that trail bug. But that lead bug seems to hunt, and especially when it's a big bug and a big meal, uh, it seems like those trout are more apt to take that thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love fishing a big rubber legs, a big, big girdle bug or something in the wintertime too. It just, I just call it a cheese, you know, it, it's a cheeseburger for them in the wintertime in those spots, you know, it's just like big juicy. I mean, easy to eat. It's like, yeah, that's the stuff, but no. And it's one of those deals too in the winter, uh, 
or in just cold weather months in general, it's like you when you start to key in on where the fish fish are actually hanging, and it's not everywhere in those tailouts either. You know, there's a lot of spots where it's like the certain bucket in that tailout or a certain little seam line, like maybe there's just a little tiny seam line in that in that tailout, but it's like you can start to really see it, and it's like when you're when you're totally keyed in. And it's hard to explain, but it's like it's one of those deals where it's like your eyes just go to it. You know, you want to fish everything around it because there will be fish holding in, in the water around it. But it's like the biggest fish the, the or the the best concentration of fish will just be in that one section. I know like when you talk about recycling it, it's like when we recycled that one run a few or last last winter when we were just, I mean, I think we recycled it 10 times, you know, <laughs> and it's like and it's like we would pick fish up all throughout. But it was like when we got down into the into just the spot, it was like every time. I mean, it was just like where they liked to hang in that thing. And it's like we could see it from my way. Yeah, we fished all the water to it. But it's like in that at the one spot, it's like they just were there every single time. And it's just like so it's like getting tuned in and keyed in and then and then transpose that into the next run. You know, it's like find that spot in the next run and in the next tail out. And it's like that's how you just, that's how you have those magical days. You know, it's like, it's not always just by chance. It's definitely by keying in and paying attention to where you're getting them. Um, that's the biggest thing. I mean, it's just like, you know, like our hunting and everything else. It's like, you got to pay attention to where those fish are like to hang in those tailouts and in those insides. And it's like, that just leads to more and more fish. Yeah, I love that that problem solving and that critical thinking and that uh, trying to figure out and theorize where those fish are going to be or where you got them before. And then, like you say, once you can start transposing that to the rest of the river and other runs um, and start picking up fish in those runs with um, in those same spots, like uh, then then you're really on to something. But then the whole thing can change the next day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no river is the same. That uh, no river is the same day after day. It's same system, same everything. But something there, it always seems like something changes, you know. And that's uh, that's one of the things that I always remember is like today's a new day. And uh, yes, I'll take the information I learned from yesterday. But it's like you just can't get stuck in a rut and keep, you know, y- you'll you'll be you'll just be to a fault, you know. And it's like you've got to just treat the river as a new river every day and yeah use what you learned because yeah you'll probably pick them up but it's like i've been on systems day after day after day after day and it changes a little bit i mean like say this spring you know you and i uh when me you and trev went uh those first the first two days were killer but then that third day they changed up you know it's like they they changed water it warmed up a little bit and they changed water and it's like we were sticking to what we'd been doing and it was a little bit slow in the beginning. We're like, huh, well, maybe the water temp, you know, I think we checked the water temp. Oh, yeah, it's clicked up a few degrees. And then sure enough, then we started finding them in the in the more so the riffle than the than the tail out. So it's like you just kind of got to roll with the punches and, and always be thinking, always trying to be figuring it out. And it'll pay off. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um well, we got a bunch of big adventures and um, some new things for the podcast too. Is um, I'm going to bring Dylan on, and um, we're gonna we're gonna co-host this thing um, for most episodes. I'm still going to have guests on. It just seems like um, lately it's been so tough to um, get things lined up and and to um, I, I I don't know. 
I just um I think this will be really fun. Is I think yep. me and you love to fish together, and um, you're so knowledgeable and passionate about it that like I, I'd say we just jump on and and have these conversations. And I also like I want to do these um, on our fishing trips as well. And so when we go on these big trips, to be able to talk about it in the moment on that day when we're so excited about it and we've dialed it in or figured it out on that system and what's working for us, to be able to share that in real time I think is really valuable. And um, so uh, you're definitely one of my best friends out there, and, like, I appreciate you coming on <laughs> and be willing to. But, man, this is um, – it, it's going to be fun for the podcast to be able to jump on and have this rapport and have have such a good buddy that I get on with and, and chat. So um, I'm super excited for what the future will hold. And, and um, yeah, we'll just uh, crank some of these out. And the next one, hopefully we do a live podcast where we're on the river. I think it'll be really fun. Yep. As soon as you get back, let's do it. Yeah, let's go. Let's go dial one in and and just send it. So, no, dude, I and I appreciate it. That uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So appreciate the opportunity. I think uh, I think it'll not only lead to a lot of good information and stuff, but it's just like real time and you and I can just do our thing. So um, I'm super stoked on it. Cool. Well, all right. Thanks, buddy. Um, get after him this week, and um, I'm going to go catch some bonefish, and uh, I'll check in with you soon. Hopefully, you get a picture from me with a, um, a big seven-pound bone. Oh, gosh. Yeah, right on. That sounds good. Okay, cool. Later. All right, guys. Thanks for listening in. Thanks for the continued support. Uh, gosh, I know I've been missing in action here. Uh, just got super busy here with hunting season and um, uh, construction and everything that I do. So um, didn't leave. Didn't mean to leave you guys hanging. I'll make sure to be getting episodes out every two weeks and um, got some good ones coming up and uh, be talking fishing and going to do some um, on the river stuff uh, or on these fishing trip stuff just with that information. So. Uh, in the forefront of my mind or in the present moment. I think um, it it makes for, for really good podcasts with really good information that way. So uh, super excited for, to see what the future holds, and um, I just appreciate you guys and the continued support of the podcast, and uh, we'll try to keep this thing rolling. So thanks, guys. We'll uh, check in with you here in a couple weeks.